1: welcome action fanatics to another edition of the bulletproof podcast i am your host chris the brain joining me my co-host chad customers also watch cruise and (laughs) Our special guest, the toy man himself, Chris DiPetrillo. Chad, how are you?
2: I'm good, man. I've missed you.
1: I'm sure. And what about you, Chris? How are you?
2: I'm doing well
0: and I've missed you both.
2: Oh. oh
1: that's nice. Well, we're off to a nice start here for this <laughs> oh,
0: episode. Nice nice bulletproof brotherly love we've got going on. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's very Canadian.
1: And none of us are Canadian, so that's uh, you know, interesting yeah. in, in and of itself. So, I do uh, like
0: Canadians. Does that count?
1: Sure.
2: Yeah, course. they're wonderful.
1: I, I do too. Elaine Moosey, what a wonderful human being.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pamela Anderson.
1: Yeah. Any other Canadians that we want to – The you? entire Montreal hockey team. There you go. Okay.
2: There's probably like a few Russians on there, I bet. I All
1: right,
0: know. 75% of the entire Montreal, Montreal hockey
2: team. Perfect. There we go.
1: All right. So as we're recording this, uh, the Bulletproof Podcast is out there, out in the world, and uh, have you gotten any feedback, Chad Cruz?
2: Um, you know, I've had a few people listen to it. Well, I've, yeah, I didn't have
1: strong like coax
2: them, but I've I strong armed a few people to listen to it, and I've I've heard good feedback. Um, people think that it should probably just be me talking, and less of you brain. All right. But. These are also, like, you know, people who are close to me and they realize how amazing I am and how how great all my opinions are. So, you know, no big deal. Just kind of normal stuff. But, you yeah, know, feedback's been good.
1: I would say the same. Uh, I got a real nice amount of feedback about just that we're covering older action movies and you know, giving them their just due, which, of course, is what Bulletproof Action has been about uh, since day one. And uh, obviously that's going to continue here. And if you guys have any feedback for us, you of course can hit us up on Twitter at bulletproof pod or at bulletproof action on Facebook, Instagram. So let us know, let us know what you like about the show, what you would like to see more of, or I guess hear more of. And uh, if there's anything we can improve on, we certainly want your feedback.
2: I think there's a precedent now after we recorded one episode we have one episode in the books so now every episode has to somehow involve Dolph Lundgren I I don't so I don't know if that's necessary yeah I think that at least 70 percent of each episode has to involve Dolph Lundgren
0: Well, one of the subjects tonight does have a link to Dolph Lundgren. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll bring it up as we move further along in the podcast.
2: That's perfect. See?
1: There you go. So he's he's on board. Chris is on board. Chris, have you had a chance to listen yet or, or no? I know you're a busy man.
0: Uh, No, I did give it a listen. Uh, I was very entertained by it, and that's not just my Bulletproof bias speaking. And uh, much like all the reviews that the three of us and the rest of the Bulletproof crew do, I think that we really do have a vast knowledge of a subject that doesn't really – get touched on all that much. I think that we've kind of carved uh, our own little niche out and to expand it into the podcast world. Uh it's pretty cool. Uh and I've mentioned it to a couple of friends. I haven't gotten any direct feedback yet, but I do have friends of mine who are into what we do on the site and the reviews and the things that we talk about. So, I've definitely uh gotten a, a couple extra listeners.
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right, well, since I've already put you on the spot, I will continue to do so and you know i'm sure out there not only are there action fanatics listening but there's young impressionable people people like jimmy youngblood who's sitting out there listening who don't mm-hmm. know what they're going to do with their life yet so i have a question how does somebody become a toy man
0: uh let's see well in the case of this toy man you have to have one of your best friends decide that he really needs that green card hasbro yokozuna figure uh, this was back in nineteen ninety nine. We're actually going on the twenty year anniversary of my career at Figures Toy Company,, uh, which is what you're alluding to. And that all began when my friend uh, ordered the green card Yokozuna figure out of a after magazine. Uh, if you remember back in the day, the PWI and inside Wrestling used to have that double page black and white figures Inc ad with the ECW and WCW replica belts and all the wrestling merchandise. And lo and behold, we found out that Figures Toy Company was based out of Rhode Island, and the warehouse was a mere five minutes from my friend's house. So we drove over to pick up the figure. And as you can tell by my uh, many reviews or our many conversations that we've had privately, I am not just an action film junkie, but a vast pop culture junkie as well. So... Just uh, my friend and I are kind of you know, batting ideas around and having a conversation while they're pulling the order, and there was a stack of WCW uh, home video, Turner home video VHS tapes on a table, and I remember in particular one of them, Beach Blast 92, and I'm like, oh, dude, check it out. They got this match and that match, and oh, Beach Blast 92 when Steamboat and Rude had the Iron Man match, and the gentleman who has been my boss for the past 20 years just kind of turned around and gave me the how the hell do you know that type of look, and we got to talking. And this was when Figures Inc. was doing more than just the wrestling. This is when they were selling things like Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe and Puppet Master figures all in print catalog. And they were expanding into the wrestling atmosphere. And my boss decided, hey, you know, the man who would become my boss decided, hey, you know, I might be able to put you to use. Just uh, leave me with your information. And I'll see if there's anything that, you know, we can come to terms with, you know, if I can find a spot for you. Because everyone that was working there was pretty much his friend from high school or his cousin or his brother-in-law. It was a very inner circle type of thing. And two weeks later, on the night before my 19th birthday, I got a call saying, hey, can you come down and see me tomorrow? I want to talk to you about that job opportunity. And on a handshake agreement on December 16th, 1999, I began at Figures Toy Company and have been there ever since.
1: Amazing! Amazing with just like happenstance how that all you know fell into place total, for you.
0: Yeah, it's total total right time, right place, and just you know everything. You know, I started as a jack of all trades. Just hey, data entry here, take pictures for the catalog here. Hey, go pull these orders here, and just evolved into now being the chief marketing officer, running all of the social media, handling uh, articles and press releases. Um, doing things like wholesale accounts and working with people that want to carry our product internationally or in mom and pop shops or comic shops. And most importantly, uh, which is what you guys pretty much knew me for before we all became tight, is handling the development and the release of all of our professional wrestling action figures, uh, be it the officially licensed ring of honor line or acquiring talent for the in-house brands of rising stars and legends lines.
1: I was going to say you you are you know you do like the licensing deals with these guys so yeah how how, uh, how challenging is that at times or, or are there easy times tough times does it depend on the guy.
0: I mean, it purely, you know, just like working with anybody in wrestling, it it purely depends on the talent. Um, But without any type of hyperbole, I would say a good 95 percent of the time, there's no problems whatsoever. We have a pretty standard deal. So it's not like we tend to favor one guy more than the other. Like, obviously, everyone kind of wants like their caveat thrown in. But it's pretty much a flat thing of, hey, you know, this is the FTC deal. This is the opportunity. These are the terms. It's kind of a, you know, check yes, check no. And, you know, I've had very few people be rude about it or flake out or anything. You know, there are some people that were supposed to happen that never came to pass to the extent where they had their contract in hand. A couple of people wanted way too much money. Like I'm talking five to ten times the amount that we offer um, just because I guess they think very highly of themselves. And then other talent is proactive and they reach out and they're like, hey, can I be a part of this? Is there room for me? And if I've got the budget for it or if they make sense to do those are the type of people that I'm happy to have on board. You know, someone like uh, all ego, Ethan page, currently the impact wrestling one half of the tag champs over there. He's become a pretty good friend of mine and he's been angling to get a figure for a long time. And as soon as the budget opened up, I was like, Hey, I know you've been asking, it makes sense to do you. Do you want in? And it, you know, no sooner did I have the words out of my mouth than the yes came out of his mouth. So it's usually pretty smooth sailing with dealing with the talent. I have to say
2: that's, that's actually one of the, the figures that's yet to be released. Correct.
0: Yes. Yeah, he's in development. We have about 50 different wrestlers in development right now oh, wow. across all three brands between the first wave of the uh, new Ring of Honor set and then more legends and more rising stars. Yeah, uh, Paige is one of about 50 there in various levels of production.
2: Yeah, I, I know just from being in, uh, in Chris the Brain's basement, he's probably just green with envy right now listening to you speak. Oh. <laughs>
1: I love me some wrestling figures, absolutely. And uh, we're gonna get into more figures a little bit, bit later. But what about the what? What would you say are the hot figures for this Christmas? What What should people go and pick up right now over at FiguresToyCompany.com?
0: Uh, Right now, you'll definitely want to get your hands on the Young Bucks. They're the only modern style Young Bucks action figures out there. We were the first ones to release any Young Bucks figures. I know they have that LJN style set that popped up uh, over the past year, but the ones that we have will fit in with any type of Mattel or Jax figures that people have. They are on sale right now. You can get the two-pack of the Young Bucks for $29.99, which majority of our figures are usually $25 to $30 because they are made for the collector's market. Um, you know, some people hear that price point and think, oh, you know, I could go to Target and find a figure for $15 to $20. And the difference is that you know, we're a very small company, independent company, and it's a niche product. So you can't really do the uh, you know, Mattel or Jacks to FTC comparison. But yeah, the Young Bucks, uh, let's see. Who else do we have? From Ring of Honor, we've got... Dalton Castle, Matt Taven, uh, if anyone out there is looking for the Viking Raiders, the current WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, the only way to get them as action figures is in the original Ring of Honor series under their uh, Hanson and Rowe monikers from when they were War Machine. So, yeah, a whole lot of wrestling talent. And FTC has a lot more than just wrestling. Uh, we do have the retro figure licensing agreement with Warner Brothers to handle DC Comics and Hanna-Barbera. We do Kiss. We do the Three Stooges. So there's a variety of licenses made in that 8-inch retro style. So if you've got a comic book fan or cartoon fan, you can check out everything we have from DC Comics, Scooby-Doo, the Super Friends cartoon, the Three Stooges, the Kiss figures, which are inspired by various uh, stage costumes and album covers. There's just a ton of product over on FiguresToyCompany.com that you can collect right now and get in time for Christmas gifts.
1: I am glad you brought up Christmas because the holidays are upon us and that means you know there's time for celebration and obviously we're we're encouraging everybody to drink responsibly when you're out celebrating this holiday season and the other thing we want to talk about is when you're at these bars do not get in to a barroom brawl we are not advocating that at all keep the barroom brawls to the action movies and that is going to be the topic of discussion next here on the Bulletproof Podcast: our favorite barroom brawls from action movies. Chad Cruz, why don't you get us started?
2: All right, thank you, Brain. Uh, I think that it was, it was kind of a staple of of the action genre, uh, I'm going back quite a while. You think you know, think about bar fights and westerns up through uh, you know the 80s, and you've got guys duking it out under the neon lights of the 80s, and and beating the hell out of each other in the '90s with the you know, pool sticks and what have you, but one of my favorite barroom brawls—it's got to be best of the best.
1: Oh yeah, a
2: little Philip yeah, Reed, little Eric Roberts. Um, anyone who's not totally familiar with the film—it's—it's it's, it's about the, uh, a Taekwondo competition, Team USA versus Team Korea. Um, much of the movie is—is is the training of of Team USA to get ready for this massive competition. At the end you get all these great stereotypical guys, you know, the guy from Detroit, the, the, the cowboy. You've got uh, the uh, kind of the hippie. Uh, you've got Philip Ree as just like the only one who looks like he can actually fight. <laughs> the great Asian fighter. I think he's from California. And then, you know, you slide him into a bar just before they, they travel east. Uh, I'm sorry, west to go to Korea for the competition. And, you know, Chris Penn, of course, it's Chris Penn. He's going to get in a fight.
1: Right. Right. You yeah, have letting off some steam before before the big uh, big competition. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Great pick.
2: 100%. It was like a team
1: bonding experience.
2: It absolutely was. And I think that was, you know, James Earl Jones is one of the uh, – is the coach for the team. And he kind of pops his head into the bar just before the fight starts and just kind of, you know, pops his squad on the stool and just watches the magic happen. Like I said, Chris Penn, he, he plays the Cowboy character. And uh, you know, he's kinda getting frisky with, with a young female on the dance floor. And then was it I believe it was Kane Hodder, played the Bert, her boyfriend. And, you know, it's only two or three sentences out of their mouths before you know guys are throwing fisticuffs.
1: Alright, and uh, Chris what do you have for us in this roundtable discussion about barroom brawls? A necessity. I mean, if an action hero enters a bar, he's got to get in a fight, right?
0: I mean, I think that pretty much goes without saying, and when we kind of started doing the preliminary discussion as to what we were going to talk about tonight, the the first thing that came to my mind was not from a movie, but from an action series, and it's one that I actually covered on the site. Uh, The Cinemax series Banshee, which was as pretty much balls-out action as you could get, the origin story of the hero or anti-hero of the entire series pretty much stemmed from a bar fight when the... The main character who came to be known as Lucas Hood uh, went to the town of Banshee in search of the diamonds that he had gone to jail for heisting and stopped off at the local watering hole. And, you know, uh, wrong time, wrong place for this guy because as he and another gentleman were at the bar, a couple of, uh, you know, redneck meth head types came in to try to do a little shakedown and walk away with whatever was in the register. And in the ensuing battle, he eliminated the threat. But not before the threat eliminated the other patron, who, as it turned out, was to be Sheriff Lucas Hood of Banshee. And this is when he was able to steal that gentleman's identity and survive in the town of Banshee for four seasons as Lucas Hood. So it was uh, not only a very action packed sequence uh you know one guy was dispatched by having his head thrust upon an anvil uh same guy had a beer bottle shoved down his throat another guy was stabbed repeatedly with a steak knife just a very uh improvised action sequence uh the real sheriff hood was shot through the hand uh leaving a huge gaping hole in his hand that was kind of used as symbol or a logo for the show for a while but it set off the the story that we got for the next four years and it was a a fun fight and it was a very meaningful fight if you want to give it that term because it created the character as we knew it
1: yeah so if this didn't happen there'd be no show basically exactly and this would be a great place if lifelock was one of our sponsors to uh do a little identity theft pitch but they're not one of our (laughs) sponsors so we're going to move on and I'm going to talk about American Ninja 2, The Confrontation, and the Blind Beggar Bar Fight. This is everything that I love about canon films in one scene. You've got Michael Dudikoff saving the damsel in distress. You've got his over-the-top sidekick, Steve James. you got even Larry Poindexter gets into this. The music is great. One of my favorite parts, though, is the sound effect when everybody kind of piles on Steve James. And you get the bowling sound effect. Awesome, awesome music to this. And, I mean, it's ninja action. Who doesn't want to see ninjas fight? And who doesn't want to see ninjas fight in a bar?
2: I love it. And, you know, you talk about the the sound effects from from some of the, the parts of the scene. And the, I always remember the end of the scene when uh, Steve James is, like, twisting the guy's arm. And he just kind of, like, flings the guy away. And it sounds like someone ripped a... A blanket or something just gives that i was like what just happened to this guy's arm
1: <laughs> and and the symbols you, they're nice little symbol shots in there too you hear that and i love the part where they of course come off the uh balcony or kind of the i guess the balcony and in, 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 through the table first it misses the table you think oh they missed the table but then here comes duty and one of the thugs crashing right through the table just great
2: Yeah, Steve James has way too much fun filming that scene.
0: (laughs) It's one of the most memorable scenes in 80s action. And, you know, not just canon films, but I mean, even when I was a kid, before I got a little older and kind of appreciated more of the films for what they were, American Ninja 2 was always the standout. I mean, even more so than American Ninja 1, and both were a movie Mm -hmm. that I had on tape and loved. But I think that the bar fight is pretty much one of the most charming and memorable scenes in the entire canon catalog.
1: Yeah, it, it, it captures that canon magic, that canon fun. It's like, it, it's not deadly serious, but it, it's just fun. It's action-packed. It's it's exactly what you want an action movie to be, in my opinion. I would agree, 100%. All right, Chad, what's your next pick for us?
2: Well, my next pick is from a man that I, I've, I've loved for many years, uh, Steven Seagal. I had to find a way to get him on this list because, you know... I feel like he just doesn't get his his justice for being an amazing action star, especially early in his career. So my next pick would be the anybody seen Richie oh. scene from Out for Justice. So if it's been a long time since you've seen it. I implore you to to search for it on YouTube. I'm sure it's easy to find. Oh, but yeah. uh, Segal Segal's character is a, is a detective, uh, and he's looking he's looking for a guy named Richie who's pushing drugs. Um, played by William Forsythe. Um and uh, and Segal just goes into this bar and absolutely obliterates every patron in this bar for like six minutes straight, just beating the crap out of people. Um, eventually, you know, he, he he does like the 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 crazy thing that a cop would do is he like puts his he puts his gun away, he puts his badge away, and he's like, you know, this is my trophy, this is your trophy, come get it. And then you just have like, you know. Fifteen guys, one by one, coming after him, and it—he, it, it's like a, a cornucopia of ass whoopings. Like he just—he freaking—he's kicking, he's punching, he's breaking arms, he's using pull cues, he's using pool balls. It's just—it's magical. It's beautiful.
1: While repeatedly asking, anybody seen Richie?
2: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he never loses sight of it of why he's there.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's a goal in his prime, uh, before he became what he is today, and it's you know. That's why he was a star. I mean, it's one of those movies that's like, okay, I get it. I get why so many people are flocking to see Steven Seagal.
2: Right, and the the uh, the diversity of the cursing that goes on there is incredible. So, you know, find a version that's uh, that isn't clean and enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I watched this it is... earlier today, as a matter of fact.
0: This was a very heavily, uh, heavily Goodfellas uh, influenced Steven Seagal. Like he could have been a cousin of mine.
2: Uh, he was very
0: different from the uh, Seagal that we got years later. This was not the Glimmer Man or the Fire Down Below team Seagal. <laughs> this, this was a, a very, this was a very different Seagal.
2: That's right. that's shown Seagal showing all his different sides. Right,
1: diverse actor. Maybe we'll More. cover Fire Down Below around Earth Day or something. Some of these environmental, uh,
2: he had a couple, there was another one that he did back. I think it was back to back with that one
1: on deadly ground, on deadly ground, deadly
2: ground. It's like the exact same storyline. I believe
1: we
0: can do, uh, Steven Seagal saves the earth podcast.
2: I love it. He's still saving the earth.
1: Yep. All right, Chris, you got another one for us?
0: well i do and it's it's the one that i mentioned to you where you said oh well, this oh, thing's gonna here, go off the rail yeah
1: here we go <laughs>
0: because, because i know that no other podcast on earth is going to mention this but it is got to go down in history as the weirdest bar fight in film history whether it's uh, an a grade theatrical release or a z grade low budget feature i am talking of course about the bar fight that took place at the toughest bar in the world. And that's not a catchy nickname. That is the legitimate name of the place sign above the door in the Garbage Pail Kids movie.
1: Garbage Pail Kids. You're bringing that to Gar- the show.
0: I, I am bringing that to the show. I am going to bring that to the show because where else are you going to get a conversation that features a bar fight with a gang of bikers fighting an anthropomorphic alligator and a little <laughs> person who who farts hard enough that it blows the bartender's mustache off. You're not going to get that anywhere else, folks. We are bringing you the strong content here on the Bulletproof Pod. Uh, but obviously, by what I just mentioned, it's not the Fartproof Pod. Because, yes, if you go onto YouTube or if you dare watch this whole movie, which I would advise you to do and you might hate me for it, uh, the whole point of the Garbage Pail Kids is that they have to remain out of sight. You know, They're not welcome here on planet Earth. They're too ugly for normal society. And Alligator, who is the uh, anthropomorphic alligator, and Windy Winston, uh, aptly named for his uh, flatulent prowess, uh, decide to dress up in uh, garb a la the uh, Ninja Turtles movie in their trench coat disguises and go off and find this biker bar. And Alligator has a yearning for human toes, and he finds the one biker in history that is wearing open-toed sandals in a bar, and decides to uh, take a bite out of this gentleman's foot, and that draws the crowd to uh, try to lynch him, and uh, none of them are scared off when they realize, hey, this is a three-foot alligator that we're fighting with. And in order to save the day, Wendy Winston crashes the ATV through the window, hops up on the bar, delivers a few kicks and punches, so there is some martial arts action by this little person in a papier-mâché outfit, uh, which culminates in the giant fart which gains the respect of the bikers and earns their help later in the film.
1: And how many times have you seen this movie that you have (laughs) such a uh, vivid recollection of this scene, sir?
0: Uh, So this was kind of my holy grail. I don't want to detract from the action talk too much, but the Garbage Pail Kids movie was a movie that I had seen when I was a youth, and the tape, which my cousin was taping it off of cable TV for me, was cut short. And it was the last time I had ever seen it on cable TV uh, because of the reputation it got through the years. It wound up out of print very quickly, did not wind up on TV very much. I couldn't find it at all. Uh, it took me about 10 years to find it at a video store to rent to make a bootleg copy. But here on this day and age in the year 2019, I not only have the bootleg copy still on VHS – but I have a pristine copy of it on the actual commercial release VHS, the original DVD release, and the Shout Factory Blu-ray. So, uh, yeah, to say that I am a fan of this film, despite its reputation, is putting it mildly.
1: I, th- I think you're going to need to uh, th- do this up as a scene of the week for the site. Yeah, I
0: think uh, it done. Yeah, I I will gladly do that. You know, I will write that up for you this week if you'd
1: there like. There
2: you go. I would.
1: I right. always love content. when somebody else content. does the writing. I love content, and when somebody <laughs> else is doing the writing, that's perfect for me.
2: You know, it's funny. As someone loaned me that movie recently uh, on DVD. They handed me uh, – a friend of mine just handed me a bag full of movies, and they were all um, Bruce Campbell movies except for, I believe, that one. And. I had him for months and months and months and I was just afraid that I wouldn't see this guy anymore so I ended up giving it back to him and I would only think maybe watched one of the movies in the bag and it wasn't that movie. So now I feel like I kind of let you down and let everyone else down.
0: So you've actually never seen it at all?
2: You know, when I was a kid I had a bunch of Garbage Pail stickers. Um, I had them all over uh, the headboard of my bed Um, and I remember that I got a new bed, and but I wouldn't let my parents get rid of the headboard, so we took it and we put it in our garage, and we just, it was just shoved up against the back of the garage, and there was just you know shit stacked everywhere in front of it and stuff, but but it probably stayed there until you know we moved out of the house and someone finally forced me to let go of it, but I I'm sure I saw the movie back then, but it's been so long that I couldn't tell you one thing about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're going in it with blind eyes then, so it should be a, uh, it should be an experience. I will I tell you it. that much.
1: Yeah, I think the last, I, I think I caught some of it on TV, on the this TV network. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen it just from start to finish. So it's one definitely I'll have to uh, check out as well.
0: It is a bit of a chore. Uh, I know it has popped up lately on Comet TV, which is uh, one of those channels that Sinclair uh, Broadcasting, which owns Ring of Honor uh has across the nation tones like digital sub channels right but it actually omits several scenes including the bar fight. so if it pops mm. up on one of those uh digital sub channels it might be missing the scene that we're actually mm. discussing
1: well then that, that that's a, that presents a whole different challenge
2: brain go ahead and buy that and then just mail it to me okay okay Appreciate sure why it. not why not thank you okay.
1: it is the season for giving right that is <laughs> right we are in the holidays Spirit. Now, I, I have one more movie I want to discuss, but since we kind of got off the action path, I kind of almost want to go with the sm- short but memorable bar fight in Back to School, but uh, I'll, I'll... I
0: actually you... thought of that one today.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. You know, and it's got the future Iron Man in there and uh, right. Pauly from uh, the Rocky movies, and you've got uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Lawrence watching from the sidelines. He kind of stirred yeah, the whole Lawrence. thing up. So, uh, but... I will go to what I originally intended, and that was kind of a low-key bar fight, but an interesting one and a memorable one from the Presidio where Sean Connery takes out Bull Hurley with just his right thought.
0: Great scene. Great scene. Great movie and a great scene.
2: Yeah, he jobs him out pretty bad. Pretty badly.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's one of those. It's like the Presidio, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember that scene, and, and for good reason, because... Again, who has ever won a bar fight just using his thumb? Fantastic stuff, Sean Connery.
0: And that was almost like a precursor to Mark Harmon's uh, career on NCIS because he was like a disgraced former military officer turned cop. So it was almost kind of like a, a prelude of what was to come years down the line. And, and at then, the yeah. time, I only knew it was the guy from summer school. I was like, oh, okay, the funny right, guy. Yeah.
1: Good point. Yeah, that was kind of almost his audition for what has become a uh, juggernaut on television. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many seasons they're up to, but, I mean, he's pretty much set for life at this point.
0: Oh, yeah. Once you get a syndication package like that, yeah, you can retire very comfortably.
1: All right. Now, we would be remiss if we did not bring up this movie when we're talking about Barroom Brawls. And it's a movie basically all about Barroom Brawls talking about patrick swayze in roadhouse a true classic this one whenever i see roadhouse i always think back to the old tbs days and movies for guys who like movies patrick swayze uh, one of a kind performer i've said this many times on the site but here's a guy who could be legit like he's a badass in this movie but then he's over here doing dirty dancing and then he goes back to being a badass and then he's, you know, a ghost and and whatnot, and being a romantic lead, being an action lead. Uh, something, I don't know that any other actor could really say that. Yeah, he, yeah, he was, had a lot was... of range.
2: Good, Chris. I was just going to
0: say, yeah, he had a lot of range. If you, if you kind of take a look at his filmography, he had, you know, quite the diverse one. I mean, he even went and did the uh, Tu Wong Fu, the, the drag queen. Oh, yeah, movie. Yeah. forgot about so, that. So, you know, You've got you've got the manly man, Dalton, and then you've got the drag queen movie. It's like, like you know, he, and I don't think it was a fact of him just taking any old role. Uh, I think it was just that he just had a lot of things that he felt he could sink his teeth into. Uh, and that went right up until, uh, you know, the end when he was doing that television show. Was it The Beast? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was like a, a, a true renaissance man of the time period because, like you said, he, you know, he might like, break out in song in one, in one movie and then the next movie he might be like ripping someone's throat out. So uh, he was the kind of guy that, you know, your 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 girlfriend or your wife or your significant other, or whoever it is, says, hey, there's this new uh, Patrick Swayze movie. Do you want to watch it? And you're like, uh, absolutely. Have you seen Roadhouse? And then you sit down and it's Dirty Dancing and you're like, ah, shit.
0: <laughs> Could be worse than Dirty Dancing Havana Nights.
2: That is true. That is true. Well, we've got to mention
0: uh, about Roadhouse, just some of the various characters that he crossed paths with. And I know that we had the Dolph Lundgren reference as we began the podcast. Uh-huh. And Gary Ketchum, one of the foils in Roadhouse, was played by Anthony DeLongis, who played Blade in the Masters of the Universe movie by ah. Cannon Fox, starring Dolph Lundgren.
1: Lundgren, right. Very nice.
2: Go ahead so and get sharp. those toys going. Nice okay. Dolph play. Lundgren, he may-
0: Blame. to Roadhouse, uh, and we've mentioned my career in wrestling, and we would be remiss if we did not mention the appearance of Mister Terry Funk, oh, the Hardcore yes. himself, a legend, in Roadhouse.
1: Hall of Famer. Uh, um, and what about Marshall Artigue and where he rips his throat out? I mean, that's obviously
0: that's from the No Surrender cinema subject, a dangerous place. Years right. later,
1: yes, he was in that. He was in uh, Fist of Iron with Michael Worth. Yep. Uh, he was on multiple episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, he's kind of, you know, U.S. Seals, too. So Marshall Artigue, yeah, he was a great villain in there, too. And I think, you know, obviously that you need great villains to get your hero over. And right. they got, they got uh, Patrick Swayze over in that film, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's so one thing I love. Like, it's like the nucleus of bulletproof action, in a way. Because you yeah? branches that extends from that right there.
2: Right. The... the the bar, what was someone remind me what the name of the bar was? Was it the double deuce? The double yep. deuce. They, they really put over the double deuce as like this crazy, dangerous place too, because, you know, Dalton comes in and he, he turns the place around, but the, 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 the so much villainous nature <laughs> lurking around that it isn't until, you know, his good buddy, Sam Elliott comes and they can really kind of, uh, dig their, their, their trenches. And, and fight back. So I freaking love the movie. I think it's it's got some of the best bar fights in it. Like, you could probably, what, 25 minutes worth of bar fights in that one film.
1: And so I, many bro- broken tables I, as well.
2: Yeah. <laughs> More broken
0: tables than a Sabu match. Absolutely.
1: Oh, and I remembered another of the thugs. He was actually, and we, we talked about it briefly, back to school, the guy who pitched the Melon Patch Kids... To Rodney yes. Dangerfield, he's in there as one of the uh kind of underlings as well, and he gets he gets his.
0: Yep. They're not orphans, they're abandoned.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> no, and when you think about Roadhouse too, you know, thinking about the the way that it stemmed, you know, so many things have stemmed off from that. Uh, you know, mentioning Banshee earlier. The whole premise of Roadhouse is very similar to the extent of, you know, Dalton comes in from New York, like his boss basically sends him there to kind of clean up the bar. And then you realize that this town is under this like stranglehold from this corrupt businessman. And that's one of the main plot points of Banshee, that once this guy who has a dark past of his own becomes the sheriff, you know, the stolen identity thing, he realizes that, you know, he's in over his head because the town of Banshee is actually kind of being held hostage or held captive by this corrupt businessman named Proctor. So a lot of similarities between the two in that sense too. So yeah, just another way that Roadhouse is kind of the nucleus of bulletproof action.
1: You've cracked the code. You have cracked that. the code. Canon films and
0: Roadhouse, it, it all started from there. They are at the center of our earth.
1: Yeah. And it's almost shocking that Roadhouse wasn't a Canon film.
0: It could be. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it it's almost shocking that Roadhouse got a sequel. Did, you know, <laughs> That uh, that did not uh, hold as much of a can not a candle yeah. uh, hold as much regard as the first one did.
2: Yeah, we most I'd, I'd say that uh, many fans of the original Roadhouse have probably not seen the sequel, which right. is probably a good thing.
1: Yeah, I, I remember being at a uh, Dollar General and walking by their little video display and seeing there was such a, I didn't even know there was a Roadhouse too. I do know also the star of it, Jonathan Sheck, one t- when I uh, covered another movie, I think it was Marauders, and I linked that he was in Roadhouse too. he actually wrote and said, uh, please don't have me associated with that movie. So <laughs> so even the star of it doesn't want to be associated. But at that point, that was the only other uh, Jonathan Sheck movie that I had covered. So that's, that's
0: completely what I about I believe Jake Busey is in that too.
1: He is. He he absolutely is, yes. All right, gentlemen, well, what a great roundtable. Talking about barroom brawls, again, a quintessential piece of any action film. If your action hero goes into a bar, he's not getting out without throwing a punch or two. And right now, I'm going to throw some things at the Toy Man's Way. I've got a wish list here. Um, Basically, I don't want to make a threat, but... Chances are you may or may not be invited back unless some of these things happen. Uh, Chad, did you want to go first or would you like me to go?
2: Uh, you're, you seem pretty passionate. I'd like to hear yours.
1: I've got three yeah. movies uh, that I, I'm going to need some figures for. Okay, let's start with, it should be no surprise to anyone who knows me, Death Wish <laughs> 3. Now, here's series one. I want a Paul Kersey in his leather jacket with the Wildy Magnum. Then I'm going to need a Fraker figure, a Lieutenant Shriker for Mr. Ed Lauder, and we have the Giggler.
2: Of course, oh, yeah.
1: He laughs when he runs, in case you didn't know. And then <laughs> a, a two-pack in that series, the ladies of Death Wish 3. We've got Katherine Davis, the uh, I believe she was the district attorney, uh, and then the a female punk, because you need a, a bad lady as well.
2: Can you,
0: you know, make, I,
1: can you make I would... these happen?
0: I I would love to make them happen, especially since we once had the Happy Days license, so we could kind of get Fraker and just double up and do a Chuck, (laughs) do the the Chase Chuck figure. Uh, And it's funny that you mention it, because Death Wish 3, uh, despite the fact that I own it on DVD and Blu-ray, has been popping up quite a bit on television lately, so it's kind of been my uh, go-to popcorn-slash-background-noise movie while I get stuff done around the house. But, uh, yeah, I don't know... How to go about getting the license to something like that, if that's just some type of all-encompassing Charles Bronson license or a Canon license? Because let me tell you, if Figure Strike Company was ever able to get a Canon Films license, there's a whole lot of stuff that we could do, my friend. You know, right. We could do-
1: yeah. yeah, that's we could do- called take my money. That's what that's called. <laughs>
2: can, I, can I give you a tip on what to do? We um, can
0: do other Ninjas and Revenge of the Ninjas and just a, a whole lot of good stuff.
2: Getting the Charles Bronson license might be difficult, but getting the Robert Bronzy license. Oh. Oh. Uh, that's Cross- going to cost out. you a little bit less, I think.
0: Cross out the wish on the packaging. You said I didn't kiss, right?
2: Get, you got it. You got
0: it. We have I the, like the
1: kiss license, so why not the death kiss license?
2: Perfect. You could even like do a crossover. <laughs>
1: I have a series two as well, because I know you're gonna get me this series one. So then I want Paul Kersey with his sport coat. I want Bennett with his hat with a B on it for Bennett and the big machine gun. We need Rodriguez <laughs> with that stupid zip gun. We need Angel, <laughs> the right hand man to Fraker, and then a two pack with Hermosa and the Cuban, of course Hermosa from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So if you can, you could tie all that in together too if you want, but. That's my Death Wish 3 Series 1, Series 2 wish list for you. I will, I will put this, I will type this up for you. So if you didn't take notes, it's okay. Chad, what do you have for us?
2: All right, it's gonna be hard to follow that one. Um, the the ones that I want the most, and uh, I've done some searching. There's there are some products out there bearing the likeness, but I I want I want action figures. I don't want uh, something to sit. A statue to sit on my shelf. I want something I can, you know, bang around with on on the couch and 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 fight all the other figures with. And that is uh, my favorite serial, um, uh, TV serial, The Green Hornet and Kato. Huh. So, uh, if you could make that happen, and you could do you could do the the thirties uh, black and white show versions. You could do the Bruce Lee uh, version of the of the was it Van Williams and Bruce Lee. Um, You could do any of them. Just stay away from Seth Rogen.
0: (laughs) And if that ever came to pass, that would be a great comparison piece to the Batman 1966 classic TV show series that we
2: have 100%. Featuring
0: the likenesses of all of uh, the various celebrities like Adam West and Burt Ward and Burgess Meredith that we were able to do. See, uh, all right, I'm on board with all of these. uh, Or can I throw in my series? Yeah, of course. Please Please do? do. And I am keeping it action formatted. I'm not going to say save by the Bell, because everybody knows about that. But uh, I, if ever given the chance to do some type of action figure line, think that the villains of the Pentangle,
1: Ooh. along Ooh.
0: with Michael Dudikoff from the canon classic Avenging Force, would yes. make a fine toy line you can do the members of the pentangle in their pentangle costumes you can do them in their suits in their civilian identities you could do michael dudikoff in his normal attire you could do a dirty duty uh covered in the swamp muck uh all all tattered up you could get steve james in there and i mean really if you're going to make a michael dudikoff and a steve james let's just go full-blown canon and do an american ninja line as well and throw a whole bunch of ninjas into a pack and call it a day, and it's a two-for-one shot, and you got some pretty cool action heroes to play with.
1: Uh, You've just bought yourself an invite to at least one more of these episodes with with those ideas. I love them. I
2: just just pulled my wallet out. And it's fine. All
1: right, well, I've got another movie that deserves figures, and it's a movie called Iron Eagle. Are you (laughs) kidding me? We got Doug Masters. I want Doug Masters with his Cessna shirt and his Walkman that he could strap to his leg. I want casual attire, Chappie Sinclair. We need <laughs> Colonel Nakesh, played by David Suckett. And I don't care if that's how you pronounce his name or not, because that guy could suck it because he's evil. <laughs> then you got Colonel Ted Masters, which would be awesome because it'd be Tim Thomerson in Oof. doll man size.
2: I love it. The the true doll doll man.
1: Yeah, he'd be a doll man. Yeah. Awesome. And then I want a two-pack with Doug and Chappie in their flight suits.
0: So we're we're stopping at just Iron Eagle. We're not going all the way up to four, correct?
1: Let's – no, I don't – (laughs) no. Not with that Canadian (laughs) frickin' – Or should I say bring you all
0: the way down?
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Let's see
2: how Series 1 goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's see. I mean, three might be cool because you'd have Sonny Chiba in there and you'd have – uh belloc wasn't he in that one too from uh, raiders uh so yeah but then i have a series two with Chappie in his dress uniform uh just a random Billyad soldier and how about a two-pack with doug's good friends reggie and tony which may also open up the door for some revenge of the nerds figures i don't know
0: i i would be fine with either of those licenses
1: all right chad you this got is... any Any other requests?
2: You know, my my other requests kind of go along with my my first one, with uh, kind of that that pulp feel, and I would want uh, any of the following, Rocketeer, The Shadow, The Phantom, any of those, and I will be a happy man.
0: And some of those are actually probably more doable than others, and I think... Some of those old characters, uh, some of them fall into the public domain. I don't know if any of the ones specifically that you mentioned, but a lot of those old pulp characters, if they're in the public domain, that means that it's free use. And if it's free use, that means that it's easily acquired for figure story company. So that might be something to look into down the line as we expand superhero licensing.
2: I like what I'm hearing.
1: Yeah, you're giving him some doable ones.
0: I'm yeah, probably
1: I'm giving him a headache, but I don't care because I got this man on the line and I'm gonna say yeah. my piece. Hey, well,
0: give me a headache, but you know, even if Figures Toy Company can't do it, you know, we do have the platform here. We've got the platform on bulletproof action. We can do a Kickstarter or get some involvement here. You know, we've seen friends of the site doing Kickstarters for movies and documentaries and stuff like that. Why not find some people to help us do a Kickstarter to get some action
1: figures of our favorite action heroes done?
2: uh death wish kickstarter yeah. i'm all in i'm yes. all in brain
1: you might be all in on this other idea i have my last one i promise i could probably go on for hours but how about action jackson are you kidding uh-huh. me I not the jericho...
0: action we're talking about carl weathers action I'm talking jackson, about the, be...
1: yes the carl weathers action jericho action jackson red shirt and jeans look awesome how about Vanity, Sidney Ash, Coach himself, Peter Delaplane, Craig T. Nelson. Who doesn't want a Bill Duke, Captain Armbruster figure, and then this two-pack of Delaplane uh, employees, Al Leong. How does he – Does he? Uh, I think he had a figure from maybe from Bill and Ted. Uh, yeah, I
2: think Genghis
1: he's Khan, had yep. – And Cartier, his little manservant, the bald bastard. <laughs> That right there would be some oh I'm sorry. Did I say something as a bald bastard? We got Christy Pedrillo on the line. That's all right. It's okay.
2: <laughs> you know, so hey, if you're, not a, you're
1: not a bastard. I Cardi, No, I
0: hope I, I I'm i I'm fighting old age. You know, if I'm perpetually sixteen in my mind, I want to make sure that I can at least, you know, not be looking in the mirror looking at like my Charlie Brown strands of hair. I was proactive about it.
2: You know some of these some of these ideas you have, Brain, I, I really think that a new line of toys, you know, you know, heroes of the '80s kind of situation. And you do oh. you could do Jackson, Action Jackson. You could do uh, uh, Remo Williams. Oh, uh, you could oh, do Remo. Paul I Kersey. Have that on my list. Oh, yeah, man. you're welcome. But yeah, there's a whole line here. what I don't, what, what are we doing talking? Let's get to work.
0: Yeah, we can launch could, bulletproof playthings.
2: You yeah, know, I mean, it's like a whole subsidiary of the site.
1: Well, I'm gonna, we're going to get that going. we got to right. get that going. I like that There's idea. More
2: talk. I like it a lot.
1: I like that idea. Well, guys, I think we've we've talked a lot about Barroom Brawls. We've talked about action figures. Two very diverse subjects, but that's what you're going to get on the Bulletproof Podcast. A little bit of everything. All of this action movie related, of course. And uh, I think uh, it's about time to wrap things up. I am Chris the Brain for Chad Cruz and Christy Petrillo. Thank you for listening, and come on back for some more of the Bulletproof
2: Podcast.
1: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.